reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. We continue our show with government at work here at the United Nations. We now hear from the delegate from Nigeria. Thank you. Thank you, Co-Chair. Thank you for giving me the floor. Taking into account the alarming increase of cannabis cultivation in West African sub-region, especially in Nigeria, we have come apprehensive about the move for legalization of cannabis by some member countries. Nigeria stands and frowns against any attempt to legalize cannabis, as this will weaken and impede government's efforts to dismantle criminal criminal networks while increasing transnational organized crimes and other emerging forms of crime to flourish. The cultivation and trafficking of cannabis remains a challenge in Nigeria, and the emerging trends of warehousing cannabis in rural communities across the country continues to pose a daunting challenge in addressing the cultivation problem. The significant seizures of cannabis made in 2015 of over 2,000 hectares as a result of the strengthening partnership of the drug law enforcement agencies with local communities has improved our collaboration efforts. This has increased our nation's resolve to continue to adopt measures to sustain our drive on alternative development programs. It is our sincere... It is our sincere... Sorry? Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry, my notes are going over. It is our sincere hope that this, that this special session will be recorded in history as a period when the international community will rise up to its responsibilities in this regard by adopting effective strategies to achieve our collective goals. The discovery of the Levitt methamphetamine lab in Nigeria shows a new sophisticated trend in, in place to avoid law enforcement and monitoring officers. Criminal networks now use Benz, Ahadhead, and other nitrothene that are precursors to the precursors to avoid detection as these chemicals are not under international surveillance. We acknowledge the efforts of member states in collaboration as regards the fight against the version of precursors as illicit use. It is important to urge member states, as a family of nations and in the interest of global peace, that we must awaken to our collective responsibility to beep off our international monitoring. This calls for an enactment of effective and sustainable strategies while noting the principle of sovereignty and respect for member states. We need to take cognizance of this emerging trend to find common ground to devise and enact effective control strategies in addition to strengthening our borders to combat this code. Nigeria believes that there is a need for strict adherence to international checks on the quantities of permits imports leaving member states. This is to avoid over-importation that fuels illicit manufacturing. In this regard, Nigeria will continue to participate in all operations and initiatives of the INCB. Finally, as the world grows in knowledge and prosperity, so must humankind grow in maturity and wisdom. Care and compassion for our fellow human beings must inform all our actions. We must take appropriate measures to prevent illicit cultivation and eradicate illicit plant cultivation containing narcotic and psychotropic substances. In line with the principles of common and shared responsibility, there is a need for continuous strengthening of cooperation through information sharing and capacity building of law enforcement officers. In this regard, we continue to appreciate the technical support, capacity building, 
and the provision of logistics from international partners, especially the UNODC, to secure our borders. This has gone a long way in enacting measures for addressing the challenges of illicit drug supply. Thank you. Boot to the head. truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. Cannabisradio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and tokens and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, April 20th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Hell, it's got to be 420 everywhere in the world. Uh, except the United Kingdom. There, it's 24. But I digress. It's 420. What a beautiful day. I hope you're having a great 420 celebration. I'm still here at the United Nations. I'm currently parked in the United Nations cafeteria taking a break between the morning and the afternoon sessions at the United Nations General Assembly Special Sessions on International Drug Control Policy. And today I sat in on a roundtable discussion featuring many of the countries around the world, some of them very diehard, strict prohibitionist countries like Indonesia or Nigeria, other countries like Israel that have moved forward, Sweden that have some other policies. We'll get to hear from all of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly, coming up on today's special 420 edition of the Russ Belville Show. Since I'm here at the UN, I can't do the show live. This is pre-recorded, and uh, I'm going to bring you the highlights from some of the countries that uh, spoke at this roundtable. I've also got some highlights of some of the other events that have been taking place around New York City, interviews with some of the great activist leaders out here. Last night, I was able to attend the Museum of Drug Policy, where Melissa Harris-Perry, formerly of MSNBC, filmed her first ever Nerdland Forever podcast, independently, that is, from MSNBC, her first ever podcast at the museum speaking about the war on drugs. It was a two-hour show. We'll give you a couple of highlight clips from that as well. And then coming up in Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio, we've got that second half of that uh, policy forum that took place at New York University on Sunday. Mark Kleiman and Botech sponsored this, and it was about treating marijuana as a temptation good. A temptation good, which is not the temptations who are good. But no, we're talking about treating marijuana as if it were alcohol, tobacco, pornography, prostitution, or gambling. And, of course, the only difference is that none of those things have medical benefits, do they? 
That's all coming up today on the Russ Belville Show, your special 420 edition here from New York City. Later on in the day, I will be traipsing around New York, finding other 420 events to bring you. We'll give you the highlights for those on tomorrow's show. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your well wishes. Thanks for your advice and commentary. Appreciate all the fans of Cannabis Radio and the Russ Belville Show for getting me here. Uh, this has been the culmination of 10 years worth of activism, and I'm really excited to be here at the international level. All right, we're going to take a break, pay some bills, and when we come back, highlights from the United Nations Roundtable on combating international drug problems. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. begins with ACT. The Russ Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everyone. Today for our activist agenda, we are concentrating on the United Nations General Assembly special session here in New York City, where the international delegates are discussing the war on drugs and what should be done about that, if anything. Today, I was sitting in on a roundtable discussion amongst many of the member nations about the impact of organized crime and other criminal elements, including terrorism, as they are involved with this war on drugs. Another subject that was brought up repeatedly in this roundtable was what they called the scourge of NPS, New Psychotropic Substances, or something we here in America call designer drugs. There were 20 or more delegates that spoke at this event. We're going to bring you some highlights of some of the best speeches or worst speeches, depending on your point of view. Here's my favorite. This is the delegate from Sweden, probably the only person I've heard speak at the United Nations this entire two days who's actually smoked marijuana. Enjoy. Thank you for letting me speak here today. <clears throat> I will uh, tell you a short story of a little boy. He was born in the 16th town in Sweden, grew up in a poor family with his father and who drank too much. There was some violence in the family, and the boy started drinking alcohol with his father when he was 10 years. He started growing marijuana when he was 12 and smoked hashes when he was 13 years. He learned as a child that he should not talk too much about what's happening in the family because we stick together. He quit smoking cannabis at 18 when he tried amphetamine at the first time, which got him hooked on, uh, hooked from the start because he made him calm and focus, focused. At the same time, of, of his friends came up with the idea of buying larger quantity of hashes, sell to other friends, and make money enough to his own to drive for his drug of choice. Pretty soon he was pushing, pu pushing drugs regularly because his circle of friends just grew bigger and bigger. Not talk, talking too much about himself and what he was up to was a big help from him to dealing drugs. We stick together came to include his friends. The group saw the rest of society as a threat to what they were doing. 
Society was the enemy and not the drugs and the crime. Instead, drugs and, uh, drug use and drug dealing became the normal way of life of the young man. Deep inside, he knew, as probably most of his friends, that his way of life was wrong. But because they never talked about it, they never saw the way out, also nobody offered them any help. So a feeling of being hunted was always there. The little boy was me. When I came out from the prison in 1998, after being sentenced for half, four and a half years in prison for serious drug crime and weapon offense, I decided to take different route in my life. At the same time, I started motivating other former addicts and criminals who wanted to change their life. I built and working for a popular movement with former criminal and drug abusers, which is present now in many places in Europe. After about 10 years, we built a new movement in around 30 cities in Sweden, and this is the organization which I work with today, Excons. Excons is an organization of former addicts and criminals. It's a cost-efficient alternative to other op options for the society to invest in. As a former addict and criminal, I was involved in running and building up two of Europe's largest crime drug prevention organizations. Unfortunately, there were no state resources to support our work. Although inmates in the Swedish prison decreased by about 8%, and we were one of the factors contributing to it. We were forced to scale down our operations and are now looking into ways to expand again. One option we were looking at is a social enterprises. The system are currently not built to support people to quit using drugs and criminal activities. Instead, resources are put on use when they continue to be criminals and drug addicts. We support the industry that thrives of people with problems. More resources are needed to support initiatives which help people reform their addiction and criminal behaviors. Tougher penalties against drug abusers do not, do not help people. It only helps the market to thrive with higher prices. We must not forget that one day the drug addict can be yourself, your child, any of your friends and co-workers on their children, or the children, or someone else close to you. So why not do the things that work and help prevent that? In all this year, I have been addicted or a criminal or after I stopped. I didn't know what member states were doing about this. But now, for the first time, I understand a bit more. And I'm not the only former addict criminal who does not know the work being done on this level. I'm very sorry to say it, but the world and the member states will fail if they don't support social movements or organizations in the world working on crime and drug prevention to strengthen the people and organizations who themselves have own experience in drugs and crime or those who work closely with people who are and have been in substance abuse and crime but change or want to change their life can make the fight against organized crime and drug abuse more effective on several levels. I was born and raised in Sweden, and at very early age we were taught that with the right support we can solve our problem ourselves. More resources are needed to support work such as popular movements involving large segments of the population, which has proven to be effective in preventing drug use and crime. And I have some points to tell. I urge the United Nations and the countries in the world 
who are serious about fighting drugs and crime to actively support the individuals and organizations, including NGOs, to strengthen networks that help people who come out from prison or treatment or those that are in alternative program to prison. Number two, I call upon member states of UN to use their citizens as a resource to offer support that can change their life instead of seeing them as a lifelong problem. Deep down in everyone looks for a life without drugs and crime, but help and support are needed and abuse cannot be punished away. And everybody wants to be somebody and even maybe a hero for, hero for his nation. As citizens and taxpayers in the member states, we want to focus on what works. When you come home to implement what you are decide on here, use us criminals and former addicts and others as a resource for a better society and for prevention. Number three, I urge member states to remove bureaucracy for business that are working for social betterment in the area of drugs and crime and put money on long-term solutions for these activities and not just short-term projects. Four, I urge member, member states to condemn the death penalty because it's a primitive behavior in a modern world. Thank you. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.